Good morning. Hey, somebody said my name. Thank you. I appreciate that. My name is Austin, and when I was in high school, I used to work at Chick-fil-A. Here's a picture of me. <laughs> That's about as happy as I was every time I went to work at Chick-fil-A. Not because I hated Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. I love the food at Chick-fil-A. Uh, there was nothing wrong with that. I just like was lazy, and I didn't want to work, right? So from the ages of 15 to 18, while I was in high school, I worked at Chick-fil-A. I spent my Saturday evenings mixing shakes, slinging nugs, just so that I could uh, scrape together a couple of bucks so I could hang out with my buddies, go eat fast food places, go to see movies, and put gas, which was $5 a gallon at the time when I was in high school, in my Ford Windstar, okay? That's <laughs> gas guzzler, swagger wagon. Okay, so if you ever wondered, it should be clear by now, I was pretty cool in high school, okay? I may have peaked in high school, okay? Now, as, while I worked at Chick-fil-A, there were several habits that I picked up in my time there, right? And as my role expanded, because you know I was making moves at Chick-fil-A, right? Like I started in the front line, and then I ended up in the drive-thru, and then I was back in the kitchen, and then I was bagging, and then I was outside. Like I was everywhere, right? And as my role expanded, my habits that I picked up grew. So for example, when I was working the front line, it became like second nature for me to when someone was ordering their food and they said they wanted a drink, like I'd start like, I'd grab the cup and you may have been to Chick-fil-A and somebody else is doing this and I'd start like filling it with ice. And then when you named your drink, like you said Coke, boom, it was like getting filled up. And I was like, on to the next thing. Let's go, who's ordering next, you know? That became second nature. Or for example, when I worked in the kitchen, uh, when, when I was packing an eight count nugget, like I'd, I'd take the nuggets, I'd put them in the box, I'd seal it, I'd throw it down the chute, and then I'd take one nugget out of the big thing and I'd just pop it in my mouth and eat it. It's like a little tip for me, for myself. Uh, I hope Chick-fil-A is not watching this. Like I've got a lawsuit on my hands. Uh, otherwise, or, and if I worked at Chick-fil-A now, I'd be like, 30 pounds heavier, just every, I mean, think about how many eight count nuggets I packed. One nugget per, that's not, not good for your overall health. Now, where, where, at whatever role I was in, wherever I was working at Chick-fil-A in the little spots, one habit like was across the board, it remained, right? You guys probably know what it is. When someone would say thank you, I would say, my pleasure, that's right, with a smile on my face. Now, for two and a half years I worked there, so slowly, like I just, it became like, I didn't even have to think about it. When someone said thank you, I would say my pleasure. And I started to do that even when I wasn't at work, when I wasn't at Chick-fil-A. Like I'd be at school, I'd turn in a paper, teacher would say thank you, and I'd be like, my pleasure. And they'd be like, is he being like sarcastic? Like, what's happening, right? My, my teacher or my friends, my youth leaders, they even started to like take advantage of this. They'd work like thank yous into the conversation just so that I would say my pleasure. Uh, even people now, when I tell them that I worked at Chick-fil-A when I was like 15, so like 10 years ago, they go like, thank you. Like they're gonna try and tease my pleasure out of me. I'm like, that was 10 years ago. Like if I haven't worked myself out of that, then we've got bigger issues, right? But habits, that's the power of habits. They have consequences. If I walked into like any other fast food joint, like in, across the country, and I said, thank you, I might get a you're welcome. I might get like a, hey, no sweat, no worries. Or I might get like a look that just says like, I'm not getting paid enough to say anything to you right now, right? But if I went into a Chick-fil-A, like anywhere in the country, some of you may have never even been to Chick-fil-A. Maybe you've only been there one time, but you know that if you walked into any Chick-fil-A across the country and you said, thank you, the response would be, my pleasure. That's right. That's the power of habits. Habits have consequences. You see, when a group of people come together and they commit to a habit, 
it has the potential to impact and influence many. It has the potential to impact and influence many and literally change the world. I mean, like, have you had Chick-fil-A's chicken nuggets? Like, they are changing the world, right? <laughs> this week, we wrap up our series, Rehabit, right? We've spent the last few weeks looking at the habits of the early church, and we've looked at some of the results, some of the consequences of those habits. Habits are powerful. Habits have consequences, some positive and some negative. And so we've looked at four habits of the early church. They devoted themselves to scripture, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and to the fellowship. And last week, Clarence was here, and he kind of opened up the first result that we see in this passage, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. He talked about the awe and wonder that the church was filled with at the presence of God. And this morning, we're going to close out our series by looking at the second result, the second consequence, that the Lord added to their number. So will you guys turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. As I read here, we're going to read the whole passage one more time. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Now, before we continue, let me just be clear. This passage, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, this is like the Instagram version of the early church, okay? Like, this is like the best, the brightest. It, everything's going how it's supposed to be. Everything's going uh, how it was designed version of the church. If you keep reading in Acts, I promise you, you will find some not-so-Instagrammable moments, okay, in the book of Acts. But this passage, like what we just read, like it's beautiful, right? Acts chapter, 40, or chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, it's, it's just this incredible, uh, beautiful moment where we see that a vibrant and healthy community extends itself in two directions, right? We see it extend towards God, which Clarence kind of talked about last week, like they were filled with the pre awe and wonder at the presence of God. And then we also see this vibrant and healthy community extend itself towards the, its neighbor, we see that a vibrant and healthy community extends itself in two directions, towards God and towards neighbor. You see at the end of this passage in verse 46, 40, verses 47, it says that, that they had favor with all the people and that the Lord began to add to their number daily. I want us to pay attention this morning to who is doing the adding, right? It says, who, who, is, who is the one that is adding to their number daily? That's not rhetorical. I want a, I want a response. Who's adding to their number daily? Yeah, like the Lord, God, Jesus, you know, whatever you want to say. It's the Lord added to their number daily. Not like a fancy strategy, not like the genius of a pastor or something like that. It was the Lord. The Lord was using the church, their commitment and the habits that they had committed to and the space that those habits created for the Lord to come and to move and to add to their number daily. You see, the growth was a result. It was a side effect. It was a consequence of lives that have been transformed and experienced the life and hope and the fullness of Jesus. And that was played out by the habits that this group of people had committed themselves to. 
I want you to turn to your neighbor, and uh, if you could, like, interact, you could experience one person. They're, like, alive now, or maybe they lived, like, 500 years ago. You could experience and interact with one person. It's a celebrity, an uh, athlete, a musician, whoever it is. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them who that person would be. I'll give you, like, five, ten more seconds. All right, now, now embarrass your neighbor. Shout out who they said. I want to hear a couple. Oh, gee, that's, that's, that's kind of a cheat. Jesus, uh, two more. Let me hear two more. What? George Washington. All right, one, I want to hear one more. MLK, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, so, so the per, I want you to think of the person that you said, right? The person that you said to your neighbor. And if I came to you and I said, hey, like, I got a chance. Like, you can experience them. You can interact with them. You can get to know them. You have two options. You can kind of get to know them, experience, interact with them, and get to experience, like, the fullness of who that person is or just, like, some of who they are. Maybe this part and that part or whatever, right? Like, if I came to you and I was like, hey, you can experience, uh, you can interact, you can get to know, like, Steph Curry or uh, Simone Biles or, I know she had a tough week, but she's still the GOAT, okay? Um, uh, you, can, you can get to know, like, your favorite author, like J.K. Rowling, Rowling, or Rowling, however you say that. Uh, uh, or you can, like, get to know a favorite musician, like Adele or John Legend, whatever. I was like, you can experience and interact with the fullness of that person, everything that they are, everything who they are, or you can just get to know, like, a little bit of it. You'd be like, give me the fullness, baby. Like, I don't want just, like, the handles of Steph Curry. Like, give me the jump shot, too. Maybe he can show me some things, Right? Or with Simone Biles, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I want to like get to know her. I want to interact with her. I want to see all the things that she can do on the gymnastics floor, but also like the person that makes her like such a cool person, right? You'd want the fullness. But when it comes to Jesus, I think some of us, many of us, myself included, we pass on like experiencing like the fullness of Jesus a lot of the time, right? Like we want like some of Jesus over here, maybe Jesus to impact like this part of my life. Maybe I want like some of Jesus over here to impact this part of my life. But when it comes to experiencing like the fullness of Jesus, having our entire lives like transformed and going like all in and saying like, Jesus, you can have it all. We often like we pass on that experience. Like we want just enough Jesus to like not be Buddhist, but just enough Jesus to be like nothing more. We want like Jesus tapas, right? Like we want just like, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. But Jesus ain't served like some tapas. Like if you guys have been around, like Torin does this illustration with this watermelon, right? He like cuts it all up and like goes all in to describe like the way that we interact, the way that we experience Jesus, like it's all in, right? And that's what we see in the life of the early church, that their entire lives had been transformed by their experience with the hope and the life and the fullness of Jesus. We see it in this passage in in verses 42 to 47. It says, in verse 45, it says that the way that they spent their money, the way that they spent their possessions had been transformed. It says that they were selling their possessions, their belongings, and they were distributing to everyone who had need. There's an early Greek philosopher named uh, Lucian of Somasada. That's a hard one to say. Lucian of Somasada. He was like an opponent of Christianity. Like he did not like the early Christians. And he said this about the early Christians. He said, their founder, aka Jesus, taught them that they be like brothers and sisters to one another. Therefore, they despise their own privacy and they view their possessions as common property. 
Now, I'm not saying like, hey, like to be a Christian, you need to be like a communist. Everything needs to be like common property or something like that. I read that quote to illustrate the fact that the early Christians clearly had been transformed. The way that they viewed their money and their possessions and who their money and possessions were for had been changed. It had been transformed due to their commitment to their discipleship to Jesus. You see, following Jesus involves our entire life, and that includes the way that we spend our money and our possessions. We also see their entire lives have been transformed. That didn't just stop with money and possessions. We see in verse uh, 46, it says the way that they spent their time had been transformed. Notice it says that they spent time having meals together, attending to the temple together, worshiping together. The way that the early church spent their time was transformed by their discipleship and their commitment to Jesus. Because following Jesus involves our entire lives, including the way that we spend our time. And finally, we see that their relationships were transformed. In verse 44, it says that they were together, that they had all things in common. If you read this passage over and over again, you'll notice that it's just like littered with like together language. Like together this, all things in common, every soul, together this, together that. You see, the people that they had committed themselves to, the relationships that they, had been, that they invested in, were deeply impacted by their discipleship to Jesus because following Jesus involves our entire lives. That means the relationships that we invest in. You see, the early Christian community, this community that we've been spending the last few weeks just reading about and learning about, they had had an experience their entire lives, the way that they spent their money and their possessions, the way that they spent their time, the relationships that they invested in, their entire lives have been transformed by their experience with the hope and the life and the fullness of Jesus. And the result, the consequence, is what we read this morning, the last verse, verses 47, the Lord added to their number daily addition and multiplication. We see in this passage that addition and multiplication are the result of an experience with the the hope and the life and the fullness of Jesus. They're not the result of a fancy strategy. They're not the result of some, the genius of some pastor. They're the result of an experience with the hope and the life and the fullness of Jesus. So verse 47 says that the Lord added to their number daily. I love that phrase, and here's kind of the cool part about this phrase. It's where I kind of want to bring it down to us this morning. It's kind of where I want to land the plane this morning. When Acts chapter 2 verse 47 says that the Lord added to their number daily, that phrase in the original language, uh, it's an iterative phrase. Everyone say iterative. Iterative. Iterative is just a fancy way of saying that it involves repetition. Right, So when, when Luke writes in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that the Lord added to their number daily, it, that, that phrase uh, suggested repetition, which means that that's something that continues on and on after the sentence is written and after the phrase is uttered. Luke has in mind that the Lord adding to their number daily and all the other things that came before it is something that God wants to continue to do in the life of the church through the book of Acts and even today. Here's the big thing that I want us to hear this morning after this entire four weeks going through this entire series, looking at these habits, looking at these results, these consequences, is that this phrase is continuing. God wants to continue to do the work that he did in the early church. God wants to continue to add to our number daily, to invite people into a community of belonging where they can experience the hope and the life and the fullness of Jesus today. Like God wants to do that with us. The people who meet at like 1601 Galbraith Avenue, Suite 304, the building that you can only find on Sundays when we got all the signs going around, right? 
Like God wants to do that with this community. He wants to do those things that he did in the early church in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. He wants to do those with us. Like their story is our story. Their reality is our reality. And sometimes I think that we, we uh, read the Bible, we read the book of Acts, we read things and we're just like, ah, oh, that was like so long ago, so far away. It has nothing to do with us today. I think some of us after the last year and a half, to be honest, we're just like, I'm like so far gone, man. Like I, I have become someone completely different after this last year and a half. I've, I've, I've tossed some habits to the side and I've gained new ones. I'm like so far from God. I, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Like somehow I ended up here at church. That's the only thing like I have to do with God that I have to do with church in the last like year and a half. Like I'm just here this morning. I have no idea how. And so we think like we ha- this has nothing to do with us, this act stuff, these habits, the, the, the awe and wonder that, they, that God filled them with, the Lord adding to their number daily, people being invited in to experience that. We think that has nothing to do with us. And as I was preparing this Sunday, and as we were really preparing this entire series, we just sensed that, that we as a church, we needed to hear, we needed to be reminded of the fact that God has not left us, that God wants to use us, that God wants to fill us with awe and wonder, that God wants to add to our number daily the same way that he did in the early church he wants to do with us. And it starts by coming around some habits and committing to those habits to create space for God to move in our lives. One of my favorite movies is uh, The Lion King. Do we have any Lion King fans in the room? We have one. Cool, cool, cool. Gosh. Lion King is like one of my favorite movies. Uh, we, my brother and I have a twin brother, and uh, like every day when we were like five, we would watch Lion King, right? And uh, when, when they re-released it, my senior year of high school, into the, um, into the movie theater, and my mom like dragged us to the movie theater to watch it with her because like it's so connected to our childhood. Uh, and the entire movie, from the start to the end, like she just cried, like tears just running down her face, just thinking about our childhood and Lion King and all that stuff, right? Lion King's awesome. One of my favorite scenes in Lion King is when, like, the wisest character in all of movies, this baboon named Rafiki, asks Simba, he says to Simba, like, who are you? He's never really met Simba. And he says to Simba, like, who are you? And Simba uh, is, like, frustrated. He's annoyed or whatever. And uh, he's a little confused, honestly. He's kind of run away from some of his past. He feels a lot of shame. He's kind of feeling pretty disconnected. So he kind of dodges the question. And then Rafiki says to Simba who he is. He says to Simba, you are Mufasa's son. And then, uh, and then Rafiki kind of leads Simba to, uh, uh, to interact with the spirit of his deceased father, Mufasa. So I got the clip. I, I want us to watch really quick. You know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. (laughs) He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. Don't go up! Hurry up! Oh, wait, wait! Come on! Come on! Would you slow down? Come on. 
That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. Forgotten who you are, and so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son, and the one true king. Remember. Remember who you are. I don't sound like James Earl Jones, but that's pretty awesome, right? I hope uh, all of you go watch Lion King uh, later today. <laughs> that scene is so powerful, right? Because Simba has spent like this last season of his life like running away. He's filled with shame. He's kind of disconnected. He feels almost like banished, right? And Mufasa comes to him and he says, remember who you are. And if you've seen the movie, you know, like Simba goes on, he kind of reclaims his identity. He reclaims his heritage. He ends up back at like Pride Rock and like the whole thing's awesome and it's Disney and it's great, right? I show that clip this morning because honestly, I think that there are a lot of us this morning who we kind of like, we feel like Simba. Like the last year and a half, it's been such a discombobulating season of life. Like in many ways, we've run away from some of the stuff that made us who we were, or maybe we were never even there to begin with, and we're just kind of lost. We don't know what to do. We feel kind of disconnected from God. Maybe some of us even feel like God is like dead, like God like doesn't even exist. And I think many of us this morning, we need to remember who we are. We need to reclaim our identity as a beloved child of the Most High God who sent his own son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and die a death that we deserve so that we may have life and that we may have life to the full. And the same things that God has done in the past with the early church in the book of Acts are the same things that God wants to do with us here today that we have an opportunity to remember who we are, to remember Jesus, the church, and her practices, and recommit to those things, those habits, to recommit to the, to the practice, the discipline of engaging with Scripture, and to prayer, and to the breaking of bread, and to the fellowship. You see, Jesus and the church must be the epicenter of our life. 
not a supplemental part of it. And hear me out, like the goal of this morning, the goal of this series is not to like fill us up with a bunch of shame and a bunch of guilt and a bunch of like to-dos on our shoulders. The goal of this series is to say, to look at the early church and to say, look at this beautiful vision of what life can be. And many of us don't feel like our life is like that. And we have this opportunity to, to habit our lives around some things that can give us life, to habit our lives around some things that can create space for God to move, to fill us with awe and wonder, and to add to our number daily, to invite others in to the same experience of the hope and the life and the fullness of Jesus that we have the opportunity to experience. You see, Jesus and the church must be the epicenter of our life, not a supplemental part of it. And so as we enter into this fall, as we enter into this season, as we kind of continually transition into this post-pandemic life, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to lean in together, to habit or to rehabit our lives around Jesus, the church, and her practices. So friends, let's take it. Let's take that opportunity. I have no doubt that we will be filled with awe and wonder at the presence of God and that others will be invited in to experience the hope and the life and the fullness of Jesus that changes everything. So we're going to move into a time of worship this morning. As we kind of wrap up this series, as we kind of wrap up this morning, uh, I just sensed that there was an opportunity for some of us who maybe feel like uh, it's been a really hard year and a half. And after engaging with the book of Acts, after engaging with some of this stuff and being reminded of who we are, there's some of us maybe in the room who kind of just need to like re-up. Like we need to like recommit to God. We need to recommit to Jesus and say like, Jesus, like I was, I was far. I have done a lot of different things in the last X amount of time or whatever, but like I need to come back. Like I'm coming back to you. I'm giving my life to you. I want my life to be about you. I want to order my life around some of these habits. If that's you this morning, we're going to move into worship and I, I want to invite you to come forward and, and, and to receive some prayer. I'm going to be up here to the left. We have some folks on our prayer team and you're more than welcome to just come to receive prayer and say, hey, like, like I just need to like recommit today. And if you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like I don't want to stand up or I don't want to, you know, embarrass myself. There's something about like physically doing something about a way that you're feeling a sense that you're having. So I want to invite you this morning to come and to do that. I'll be down here. Uh, some of our prayer team will be down here. But friends, let's take this opportunity that we have to lean in together, to habit and to rehabit our lives around Jesus, the church, and her practices. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, just a, a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for the ability that we have, the opportunity, the freedom that we have to gather in your name to sing praises to you, to open your word that you have revealed to us. God, I just pray that you would fill our church with passion, with energy, with a zeal to re-up our lives, to order our lives around you, Jesus, uh, to order our lives around the church. You have created the church. It's your plan A, it's your plan B, and it's your plan Z, right? And so I just pray that this community and, and the practices, that, that, that this would be something that is at the absolute center of each of our lives, God. It's, it's the way you have designed us to be, uh, to live our lives. It's the way you've designed us to be human. So help us chase after that this fall together. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we gather this morning, uh, and it's in your name that we pray. To you be the hope and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.